Coming up this week on Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, Elon Musk has a bold plan to get your Model 3 into your hands sooner than you might have expected. Let's talk all about that and much more. Welcome to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast. It's episode number 40 already. 40 for May 8th, 2016. Man, 40 shows already. It feels like just yesterday that I just started this thing and I had that super rambly hour-long first episode and uh, you know, still trying to find my rhythm. But man, uh, I gotta say, whether you've been listening for one episode or for all 40, seriously, I mean, genuinely from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank everybody that's given this podcast a try and for, for giving me uh, what has grown into an hour of your time each week because I know that your time is extremely valuable. I know mine is these days with a, with a busier-than-ever full-time job and a, and a wife and a, a, a four-year-old kid at home. So I just really appreciate everybody lending me a bit of your time each and every week. So I aim to, uh, to make it as... as uh, packed of a show as I can. I've been spending more and more time on this podcast every week, but I feel like, actually, I just feel really good about about uh, where it's going. I, I just love all the phone calls. It just energizes me when, when people call in and say they've been listening and they've been enjoying it. And uh, Anyway, let's get right to things because I, you can, if you can tell I'm, I've got a little extra shot of energy this week, it's because this was another big week. And I mean, it feels like they've all been big weeks ever since the Model 3 reveal on March 31st, but uh, listen to this if you have not heard it. So Tesla had their quarterly earnings report this week, and with that comes a conference call with analysts. And on that conference call is none other than Elon Musk, along with a number of other Tesla executives. So on this call, Elon set one of his boldest goals yet, and it affects you if you've reserved a Model 3. So take a listen to the man himself, Elon Musk. The, the, I think the most important point here that we want to make is that we're advancing the uh, Q3, uh, so the Model 3 uh, build plan uh, substantially, uh, so, uh, and, and uh, just overall, the overall volume plan um, with Tesla um, aiming to get to the half million unit per year run rate in 2018 instead of 2020. Um, and this is based off of uh, the tremendous demand we see for the Model 3, which I think is actually a fraction of the ultimate demand when people uh, fully understand what the car is capable of and are able to do a test drive. So that this, this is uh, probably the biggest change strategically. Um, I think also, uh, Tesla uh, it is, is going to be hell-bent on um, becoming the uh, the best manufacturer on earth. Um, so, the uh, you know thus far we've I think we've done a, a good job on design and technology of, of our products. Uh, the Model S and X I think are generally regarded um, by very critical judges as technologically the most advanced cars in the world, um, and uh, and so the. Um, you know, I think we've done done well in, in that respect. The, the the key thing we need to um, achieve in the future is is to also be the leader in manufacturing. Um, so it, we, we take manufacturing very seriously at at, at Tesla. It's, um, it's it's the thing that we need to obviously solve if we're going to scale and scale rapidly and make the cars more affordable. Uh, so that that's. Um, like I really want to sort of send the message out there to, to those, you know, the, to, to the best manufacturing people in the world. Uh, we want you to come join our company, um, and, um, and 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 that and that is going to be, be the primary focus of of Tesla is how do we get super good at making um, large complex objects. So that that's the like the most salient point. Um, it's easy to get wrapped up in like a bunch of sort of short-term um, issues, but, but I think in terms of 
of what matters for the future. I think that's the most significant thing. So that's huge, right? That's huge. That's, I mean, that's, that's astounding that, that that's, but it's Elon. So it's like, I'm not going to doubt the guy because he's, he's, he's landed rockets. Re, he's reusing rockets that he lands in the middle of the ocean uh, and building, building cars that, that, that no one has, you know, no one has launched a successful American car company in, in decades uh, so listen to this next part, this uh, about exactly what this goal entails for those of you who've reserved a Model 3. I go back to Elon Musk. Um, so in order for us to be confident of, of achieving volume production Model 3, um, by late 2017, we actually have to set a date of mid-2017 and, and really hold people's feet to the fire internally and externally. Um, to achieve a, 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 an actual volume production date of late 2017. Um, so, you know, as, as a rough guess, I would say we, we, we would, would aim to produce, produce uh, um, 100 to 200,000 Model 3s in the second half of next year. 100,000 to 200,000 Model 3s next year. That's, I mean... That would, that's ridiculous. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this. I actually want to get a couple of more quotes from Elon before we start chewing on all of this and attempting to digest it, because this is a, this is a very large meal that we've been served here worth of Model 3 stuff. So here's an update on the car itself and where Model 3 is in the development process straight from Elon Musk. Um, well, um, from an engineering standpoint, uh, you know, we're already um, almost complete with the uh, design of, of Model 3. Um, and in fact, the, the, the prototype that uh, was driving at the Model 3 event um, at the end of March was actually using the, the, the production drivetrain. Um, so, uh, so I think you know, we feel pretty good about engineering uh, completion um, of, of the, the last items. Uh, probably within you know six to six to eight weeks or about um, the um, so, so the, the, the and, and so with you know, sort of completing final release for for tooling um, no later than the end of June um, that sort of leaves roughly nine months for the tools to be manufactured which I think is an achievable time frame. Um, Basically, some suppliers, but it's an achievable time frame. Um, you can have a, you can create a, uh, a human baby in nine months. You can pretty much make a tool in nine months. So uh, that's our expectation. So then um, we want to have parts of production tooling um, starting in April next year. So we've got three months of validation um, for a nominal start if, of, of volume production in July. So there you go. It is almost done. The cars that we saw, or at least, well, two of them, two of the, well, no, we saw really two cars, one of which, the silver one, the one that they've been trotting out for all these uh, shoots that, that it's been getting spotted at. The, the matte gray car, as Maggie the Boxer drinks some water in the background, the gray car we know, uh, the, matte, the, matte, the matte car, rather, it, that has the Model S-shaped door handles. We know that's an earlier engineering prototype, so it's the silver one that's the, the furthest along of the prototypes we've seen, of course, which is just the, the two of them. But uh, well, it is really cool to hear that it's almost done. Now, of course, remember, after right after the reveal, when Elon was just all over Twitter, just, you know, he did sort of that impromptu AMA, taking all kinds of feedback into consideration. He had said that they were going to be tweaking the trunk to make the opening larger. Uh, he had said there were, you know, they were going to at least look at the front end. People were, you know, like, hmm, what, I don't know about this front end. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see. It's going to be very interesting to find out what differences, as Maggie the Boxer shakes off, hey, Mags, <laughs> to see what differences the final car is going to have since this one, since these the March 31st prototype, seems to be relatively close to final design. Uh, now, if all of this sounds impossible 
100 to 200,000 Model 3s in 2017, when the car's not due till late 2017, and 500,000 cars in 2018 with, you know, th 300 to 400,000 of, you know, 300 something probably thousand of those being threes and the rest being S's and X's. If all of that sounds impossible, it's because it might be. Here's Elon Musk to talk about their internal deadlines, at least, and we'll see what effect that has on production. Elon. The, the date we are setting with suppliers um, to get to a volume production cap capability with the Model 3 is July 1st next year. Now, will we actually be able to achieve volume production on July 1st next year? Um, of course not. The, the, the reason is that even if 99% um, of the internally produced items and supplier items are available on July 1st, we still cannot produce the car um, because you cannot produce a car that is missing 1% of its components. Um, Nonetheless, we need to both internally and with suppliers take that date seriously, and there needs to be some penalties for any, anyone internally or externally who does not meet that time frame. Um, the, the, it had, that this, is just, this has to be the case, because there's no way that you have several thousand components, all of whom make it on a, on a particular date. So, so to try and make this happen... Uh, one more bit from Elon here that I just thought was interesting. I, I went through the whole... Uh, this whole conference call uh, and uh, just tried to pull the best bits for you here to try and help make this crazy thing happen. Elon has, uh, has relocated his desk from an, f to a very interesting place. I will let him tell you more. Um, and I'm personally spending an enormous amount of time on the production line. My desk is at the end of the production line. Um, I have a, uh, a sleeping bag in a conference room adjacent to the production line, which I use quite frequently. I'll tell you, how would you like to be that team? That's that's uh, you've got Elon's desk over there. You've got the, the, the you can like see the sleeping bag. Sometimes maybe he's in the sleeping bag when you get to work first thing in the morning. Maybe I don't know. How would you like to be on that team? I'm not sure whether having him around right there would be super intimidating crazy motivating or like just completely inspiring my guess is it's probably all three of those at the same time now uh some context here of course tesla shipped 50 something thousand cars uh, low 50s in 2015 delivered i should, sorry not shipped delivered let me use proper terminology the guidance for this year was reaffirmed at uh, 80 to 90,000 cars, specifically actually uh, 89,000 cars is the guidance for this year, which uh, that was reaffirmed in the shareholder newsletter that accompanied this as uh, they're on track for that. In the newsletter, here's a quote, increasing production fivefold over the next two years will be challenging and will likely require some additional capital. But this is our goal, and we will be working hard to achieve it. This is, this is unbelievable. Um, in fact, to, it is literally unbelievable to many. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, it's just, you know, can he pull this off? You, you don't bet against him. That's why I've said, I think I've said that a bunch of times on this show over many episodes. I, at least I don't. I, I don't. I would not bet against Elon Musk. Uh, Great listener reaction to this. I got, a, I got a very inspired call from Nick in Columbus, Ohio, who uh, reacts to all this. He's, it's, it's, this call is a few minutes long, but it's very tight. He doesn't, he doesn't babble or, or ramble at all. Uh, he's got a lot to say about this. Let's hear from Nick, and then I'm going to dive in with some of my thoughts on this. So, Nick, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. This is Nick from Columbus, Ohio, at the Hoff 525 on Twitter. I was inspired by our short conversation on Twitter about the insane first quarter 2016 investor call that just ended about an hour ago. Now, it wasn't so much about the financials. We did hear they slightly beat the street. Their losses weren't quite as bad as some uh, analysts expected. But holy cow, the bomb that Elon dropped when he said he is moving his prediction for car production from 500,000 cars in 2020 to 500,000 cars in 2018. What? You have got to be kidding me. Now, of course, I'm skeptical. A lot of people probably are, but let's look at some of the facts here. 
he uh, also on the call said that he believes that the Fremont plant alone, along with the Gigafactory, can, he emphasized, can produce one million vehicles. He said it might not be the best idea, but he believes it's doable. Second, Tesla recently leased a total of one million square feet between two warehouses in Livermore, California, about 20 miles from Fremont. Kind of interesting. They also mentioned that they're likely to be raising extra cash via a stock offering fairly, fairly soon, which, of course, it makes sense. You've got to have money to do this, right? And, of course, the part I'm most excited about, and I hope that you are too, is he said that they expect 100,000 to 200,000 Model 3s by the end of 2017. Yes, that's 18 months from today. There could be up to 200,000 Model 3s on the street, which is half of what's been reserved already. Totally mind-blowing. Of course, I got goosebumps when I heard this. Super excited now. The one thing that I'm scared about is they did mention in the news today that two vice presidents of production left the company. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on all these insane revelations. I'm sure you're going to go into some more detail here shortly. And, of course, what your thoughts are about two senior leaders within the company, specifically in production and manufacturing, what that means. Love the podcast. Appreciate you taking my call. And, uh, man, what an investor call. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you for the call, Nick. Now, uh... You mentioned the two executives leaving, the manufacturing executives. They are Greg Reichow, the vice president of production, and Josh Ensign, the vice president of manufacturing. Now, uh, on the call, Elon, he publicly thanked Greg uh, and, and uh, mentioned that he's going to be uh, just stepping out and he's, he's hanging in until they can replace him. So this is seemingly at odds with this crazy goal that Elon has just set. So that's interesting. And, and Elon on the call said, we want the best manufacturing people in the world to come work for us. It's almost as if on this call with these two guys leaving, that Elon effectively issued a challenge, almost to, to see are there any manufacturing gurus, experts, savants at other companies, maybe an Apple, maybe a another car company, whatever the case may be, who might hear this or hear about it and say, I want to take on that challenge. I want to be the guy, a, a, a person, I want, to, I don't want to say guy, I want to be the person that helps, that, that helps spearhead the effort to do this unprecedented thing with Tesla to ramp this in a way that, that's never been ramped before. And so maybe maybe that's Elon's way of, of sort of just putting out a challenge to see if anybody will will come take him up on it. Uh, now, an alleged insider claims that these departures are all because of the Model X situation. Of course, the delays, the, cr the very, very slow production ramp, the cars being held up in, in QAC. Uh, the, of course, the, the seat recall was some, some bad press, even though it affected relatively few Model X's because there were relatively few Model X's out there at the time. But Tesla claims in a statement, quote, this has nothing to do with the Model X. After being at Tesla for over five years and leading its production team for the past three years, Greg Reichow has announced his intention to take a leave of absence from Tesla so that he can have a well-earned break. Now, I know I've said in the past that I'm always willing to give Tesla the benefit of the doubt because they have never been a company that's really spun things in any sort of ludicrous eye-rolling way. And believe me, I work, I mean, I don't want to say I work in the video game industry because I don't make video games, but I work uh, around the video game industry and I, I know spin and BS when I see it. And Tesla's pretty good about not doing that. But, you know, if you've... I'm going to guess, I mean, it's, I, I don't want to doubt Tesla, but at the same time, I wonder if the old adage, the truth lies somewhere in between Tesla's story and the so-called insider story may very well apply here. So uh, let's dig into this. Now, half a million cars in 2018, a week ago, if you'd have asked me, in fact, I mean, I've said it on the podcast, I probably did say it a week ago, if uh, that given the track record of the company, 
the expectation was maybe there'd be literally five cars at uh, in December of 2017. Uh, and then hopefully things would ramp up in earnest in 2018. And maybe I'd have my car in the, you know, spring 2018, summer 2018. If I ordered a, if I'm able to get that performance model that I'm just dream, literally dreaming of, literally dreaming of, uh, we'll see. But, but of course, you know, with the, with the X, the struggles with X and, uh, uh, the, the fact that every Tesla has been delayed. Elon actually specifically addressed this in the conference call, and he said, listen, the X is a complicated beast, and the 3 is being specifically designed to be easier to manufacture. So um, he, they're learning, they're, they are learning lessons, they're taking notes. It's not to say anything's going to go, uh, you know, that nothing will go wrong because things very well could. But, you know, you heard Elon talk about the July 1st parts deadline that they're setting, even though they see that as impossible. That's the line in, their, in the sand that they're drawing and they're holding everybody to, both internally and externally. So, man, uh, Wall Street, by the way, thinks he's nuts. Uh, but it's, not, it's hardly the first time that Wall Street has, has thought Elon Musk was insane. I mean, uh, we'll see. If... Even taking the low-end goal that Elon stated of 100,000 Model Xs in what would I would presume to be the fourth quarter of 2017, by the time anything's delivered, even if they manage to get half of that low-end goal out by the end of 2017, that's of course 50,000 cars, not only would I be incredibly, impre- be incredibly impressed, I'd have my car, and I'd probably have the full tax credit. Yes, which is awesome. Uh, By the way, if you'll recall, after the reservations exploded in that first 24 hours and in that first week, you remember Elon said on Twitter, he he wasn't replying to it, he voluntarily came out on his own volition and said, we need to, I forget the, I don't have the exact tweet in front of me. I should have, I just thought of it. I didn't have a note in front of me here, but he effectively said, I'm paraphrasing, we need to rethink our production plans. This is that rethink. This is the rethink. So uh, to get back to what I was saying, you know, if, if they can deliver even 50,000 cars by the end of next year, not only would I be incredibly impressed, but I'd have my car, and again, probably that full tax credit, uh, I, I have to confess, though, when I heard this, when I heard this, I, uh, half of me was stoked. Half of me was like, yes, I'll get my car sooner, which in turn means I can get rid of my old car sooner, which in turn means it might have slightly higher resale value and, lo- and lowers the chances that I'll have to spend any more money on maintenance for that 10, uh, what is currently, what a 10-year-old car be 11 pushing 12 by the end of next year, um, you know, things like tires or God knows whatever else this thing might need, uh, brakes, it's, yeah, I'm, rotors are going to be, I don't know if I'm going to make it on the rotors, we'll see, but anyway, um, the other half of me, so there's the excited half that's, that's like, yes, this is all good, can't wait to get the car, the other half of me, and I suspect a lot, many of you that are Model 3 reservation holders, may very well be in the same boat. Uh, the half of me that wants as loaded of a car as I can possibly get, just crossing my fingers that there's some way, somehow, I can get that performance model. Uh, but I, I've, I'm, despite the fact that, by the way, if, if you remember back, I don't know, a month or two ago, I guess more like a couple months ago now, I, I talked, I, I kind of opened my heart on the show talking about how my wife is very much not on board with a well-equipped car. And I got so many great emails from you guys. But anyway, I'm still, I'm trying to come up with some way to raise that money and just figure it out. But so, the, yeah, the other half of me that is, is, is kind of terrified that Elon's moving up the timeline because I'm still, I'm nowhere close to, to, to saving up enough for the, for the Model 3 that I want, the, the, you know, the level of Model 3 that I want to get. 
you know, I've got I've got numbers in mind that I need to hit, and I, I know where I stand now. I'm, I'm on, you know, I'm a good bit along the path, but I'm still not close enough to where I need to be. And I'm kind of worried now, like, man, am I going to be if I get the call? You know, not the, literally the call, but figuratively speaking, if I get the call in like my birthday, <laughs> if the Model Three suddenly becomes a birthday present next year, my my birthday is towards the end of September. If it's like, hey, does come configure your car? Uh, I, I'm, you know, that's going to be a little terrifying for me because I actually could have used those extra six months that I assumed I would have had, you know, into early 2018, spring 2018. And I know, you know, of course, I'm, I'm not crying about it because, of course, I've been saying all this time oh, I can't wait to get the car, and it's true, I, I can't. But, but you know, the financial reality is definitely part of it, and I've only got one shot at this. I've only got, I can't, I can't just add on more options later, um, mostly. We'll talk actually about that a little, a l- in a little while, in, that in fact, some of you Model S owners will be able to do that, some of you specific Model S owners, but, um, so we'll see. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, are, I don't know if any of you, well, any of the rest of you are, are kind of half terrified as well, thinking, oh, I don't have as much time to save up now, but... Um, I'm still, I'm so happy I camped out. I'm glad to have my reservation. I'm very thankful that I live not only on the West Coast, but a stone's throw from, throw from the factory, so that could ho- help me get my car sooner. Hopefully I can figure out some way, somehow, to be financially ready with to get the Model 3 that I want, which, again, I'm hoping is going to be that check-every-box performance model. We'll see. Um, now, on Twitter... Just before I aired, I recorded the show this week, Elon was asked, you think those of us who ordered pre-reveal will see it late 2017? And Elon replied with a simple, I think so. So if you were, if you camped out, which I know many of you did, we got so many calls uh, about that, you know, a few weeks ago, you are looking good for 2017, at least according to Elon's current very, you know, seemingly crazy estimate. So we'll see. We shall see. Now, another interesting note in the shareholder letter jumped out to me, and it's a, it's this, quote, notably, this demand level for Model 3 was reached ahead of the Model S refresh before Model X could be seen in stores and prior to the unveiling of Model 3, which we believe is stimulating demand for all of our vehicles. Now, let's, let's pick that apart for a second. What Tesla is saying is that the Model 3 made such headlines everywhere, mainstream, just you, everywhere. I mean, even, even my, I mean, my parents know how obsessed I am with Tesla, but they don't track it. They don't listen to this show. They, they, they barely know how to use a computer. I love them to death, but... Um, you know, they, they knew all about Model 3. It was in their paper. They still get a newspaper, by the way. It was in the, local, it was in the Arizona Republic. Um, so it's the fact that the Model 3 had such a far-reaching impact that it's making people aware of Tesla who were never aware of them before. And it's getting some of those people and others to buy the S and the X. That is incredible. Not to mention totally awesome. That is great. You know, and then as the, the expansion of the, guess, the galleries and service centers continues this year and next year, that's only going to help. You know, that foot traffic in malls where a lot of the stores are, this is a good thing. I mean, Model 3 is having a ripple effect uh, on, on everything at Tesla. But mostly, I mean, seemingly all good. And, and it's just great. This is great to see. And in fact, on the in the spirit of this idea of possibly getting our Model 3s sooner than we would have thought, but still having, you know, a good year and a half wait, probably, I want to take a call uh, up front here from Derek down in Phoenix. Interestingly enough, I just mentioned Phoenix. Derek down in Phoenix, who's wondering uh, if he should maybe try and get ahead of things in his garage a little bit. So Derek... Go ahead. Hey, Ryan. This is Derek from Phoenix. Great uh, podcast. I listen to it all the time. My question was, uh, with the introduction of the new uh, high-powered wall connector, uh, does anyone know yet if the current 
wall connector is going to be adaptive, uh, adapted to the Model 3. Uh, tooling around, thinking if I buy it early, uh, another step will be ready for my Model 3 pre-order. Thanks again for the podcast and hope to hear from you. Bye-bye. So, Derek, I would say yes, totally. Go for it. Get yourself a high-power wall connector. Uh, if, if, you know, if, you, if you've kind of got just that little pocket of cash right now, I mean, I guess my, like, like my wife, who's very financially savvy, would probably tell you, no, put that money, in, you know, invest that money or put it into an account, and you can earn a little interest on that money in, uh, you know, the, over the next year and a half to two and a half years, depending when you might, where you are on the list. But, uh, and she's not wrong. She, again, I, if she, again, I'm like, she's like, she's like a little, little angel sitting on my shoulder. Like, no, no, invest it, invest it, Derek. But you could, you totally could go for it. I mean, it's going to, of course, sit and just gather dust in your garage, but Here's the thing. I mean, you're going to need it eventually, as you said. There's a 95, if not 99% chance that it's going to be the that the Model 3 is going to take the same uh, connector as the S and the X because if it didn't, it would seriously screw up the supercharger situation if they changed plugs. But even if they did, Tesla would still sell have adapters that they would sell you for your for your high power wall connector. I tell you, I. I actually, I think I've told this story maybe in the like the early episodes, but I have uh, the NEMA 1450 outlet in my garage, and it's been there for uh, almost two years because I got it when I when I had set up my very first P85 review uh, with for IGN with through Tesla, uh, and I knew I was going to have the car for like three days to review it. I said. Well, you know what? Forget, I'm just going to call an electrician and get this thing put in because I know I'm going to need it. I'm, I know I'm buying the Model Three. You know, so I I went ahead and put it in almost two years ago, and it's and uh, then I got actually <laughs> it came in handy. I got to use it uh, about a about a year. I guess man, yeah, it is about a year ago when I reviewed the P85D <laughs> for IGN. I did the second review on the P85D and I already had the 50 amp circuit in my garage ready to go. And when my Model 3 arrives, it'll be ready too. I've, I've actually, it's funny, I've been debating whether or not I should get a high power wall connector myself uh, or whether I should just stick with the, the 50 amp circuit. My cousin Pat in Arizona, he, him, you know, he went ahead and got the high power wall connector. So, you know, he can charge it like, cause he's got the dual chargers on his early S so eight, he can charge 80 amps. So he, he can do like 60 miles charged in an hour per hour. Um, so I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really going to need that much, if it's going to be worth investing the extra, what is it like 800 bucks for the high power wall connector plus an electrician's fee to install it. But yeah, I would say, I mean, you're going to use it eventually, Derek. You could, you may want to consider getting a little interest in that money in the meantime, but it's totally up to you, man. Either way, you, you know you're going to use it at some point. Okay, on to the other big news item of the week. There's really only one other thing. It was, it was the conference call with the analysts, and it's this. Remember a couple shows back when the 75D model was announced for the Model X, supplanting the 70D that never even got built? <laughs> Well, and remember, I wondered how long it would take that 75 kilowatt hour battery to get into the Model S. I had said I figured it would either be whenever the 100 came out or whenever the, the, like the 70 kilowatt hour battery supply exhausted, whichever came first. Turns out the 75s in, for the Model S's are here sooner than any of us even maybe thought because they're here now. <laughs> they're here right now. Any of you who are taking delivery of a Model S 70 or 70D with the refreshed nose on the front end, so if you are taking May, basically May onwards delivery of a Model S, you've got yourself a 75 kilowatt hour battery. Now, uh, they're still going to be badged as 70s because it's only going to be 70 kilowatt hours that's usable because that's what you paid for 
and the cars, these 75 kilowatt hour batteries are going to be software locked to 70. Uh, now you can pay for, to, for an over the air, you can do this over the air if you want. You can pay $3,250 to go ahead and unlock the full 75 kilowatt hour capacity of that battery, which by the way, that's a bit more than the $3,000 charge the Tesla had in the design studio for a while when they had when they had introduced the 90s and still had the 85s. It was $3,000 to upgrade your 85 to a 90. So uh, this is a little bit more than that. And I don't know, I mean, seems a tad pricey for what effectively amounts to a 15 to 20 mile range boost. By my math, it was about 15. I saw a thing some, somewhere that said 19, but it didn't look like an official Tesla thing. If, if I'm incorrect about that, uh, correct me and I apologize. But anyway, fi you know, 15 to 20 mile range boost. But at the same time, it's tough to complain when this is literally just an extra option that you'll have for any time you want down the road. If you are getting a 70 or 70D Model S, uh, you know, now or in the next few months or whatever, and then after you own it for a year, you go, okay, you know, I've been making my, oh, I do this uh, every summer I drive to my cabin up north, whatever it is, and, oh, it's like we cut it really close on this battery. You could go ahead and just be like, well, looks like I've got a solution for that. I can just call Tesla uh, and unlock this extra five kilowatt hours and, and maybe that's like the difference maker for you. Maybe that gives you that nice, comfortable buffer that you need in your for whatever your range situation is. So it's cool that you'll just have that option. Uh, now, I would suspect that eventually, as we did discuss a couple episodes ago, that the 70 will just be gone. Uh, like, they just, it'll be, they'll probably increase the price ever so slightly and it'll just be the 75 I would suspect unless they're just unless this is purely for cost reasons and they just need to keep the the base price of the car as low as possible that actually the more I think about that that does make sense I could see them so maybe this maybe the software lock is gonna stay for for quite a while um, but in any case you know for for Tesla of course, this simplifies their supply chain, which we discussed a couple episodes back as that being a big reason why we thought that this was going to happen to match Model X. And remember that Tesla has, there is precedent for this. They've done this before. When the Model S first came out in 2012, um, although by the time anybody got, a, got a, one of these cars that I'm about to mention, it was 2013, but the, you know, Tesla originally promised way, way back... They promised a $50,000 car, and in order to deliver that, they had to offer the 40-kilowatt-hour car that had the range of, I believe, if memory serves, it was 140 miles of range uh, on, the, on their EPA rating there. And uh, so, but it, it ended up being that so few people ordered it that they didn't even bother to produce the 40-kilowatt-hour pack, and they instead gave those 40 kilowatt hour customers a 60 kilowatt hour pack that was software locked to 40 and they could pay $10,000 anytime they wanted and still can to unlock, to upgrade that to a 60. So, uh, and by the way, that reminds me that, by the way, yeah, the 40s, the, the Model S 40s, those are the real unicorns in the Tesla fleet, I'd have to say. I'd have to think that they'd even be rarer than the Roadsters, because there were 2,500 Roadsters built. I can't imagine there are that many 40s out there, because they were offered for such a short time, they were effectively only really offered to people that had been on the waiting list for, you know, before the car even came out. So if you've got a 40, I would love to hear from you, just to hear your experiences with the car, to hear and answer me, I want to know another another thing too. Just out of sheer pure curiosity, is like almost Tesla trivia. Are the forties badged forty? Because as I remember it, 
those cars were made before Tesla started badging all the cars. Like, in, particularly around here in San Francisco in the Bay Area, you'll still see Teslas that don't have a badge. And that's usually a dead giveaway. Uh, and by badge, I mean, you know, the number badge that, that indicates the, the battery size. The one, if you see one that doesn't have a, a badge, it's, it's almost a guarantee that it's a super early car. It's one of the very, very early VINs. Um, so yeah, I'm curious if, if a 40 badge even exists. Anyway, just random, random curiosity there. All right, that is the end of a crazy news week. Just a lot of exciting stuff. I'm going to take a short break, come back, and I've got, let's see, uh, again, had to, had to make some t- so many great calls this week. Narrowed it down to one, two, three, four more calls this week. Get to those here in just a second. All right, welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline. As my four-legged companion Maggie the Boxer does her uh, favorite, one of her favorite things, licks the couch incessantly. You hear that? I don't know if you can if the mics picks that up, but anyway, it is hotline time. And if you've got a question, a comment, or a discussion topic for the podcast, give me a call. It is anytime, toll-free, day or night. It just leaves a message. Uh, and I'll get it'll it I'll uh, I just check it from the server. The toll-free number that you can call or Skype is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from your friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto some sort of keepsake. Please visit my friends at lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Now, again, I've been getting... This is a good problem to have. Don't get me wrong. Too many great calls every week, which is great. And uh, it's a good problem to have. And I have an idea. So it's like I don't want anybody to get offended if I don't play their call. Sometimes um, I will say pro tip... If it's four minutes, I'm probably not going to play it. Some of these I cut, I'll try to cut down a little bit, but that, that takes a lot of time. So if you try, try to keep it to like a minute. That's ideal. Try to keep it to a, a minute or so. But I've got an idea for uh, how to solve this good problem of having too many good calls. I, I don't want them to go to waste, so uh, stay tuned for that soon. I'm, I'm working on a plan that, uh, that, that might hopefully be fun for me and for it for you guys, too. Anyway, let me start with Mark from the Detroit area, who's been uh, hearing some whispers up in, up in the Motor City about Apple and Tesla sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. <laughs> Mark, take it away. Hey, Ryan, this is Mark from Metro Detroit, Michigan. I have started listening to your podcast over the last few months after I ordered my Model X, and it's been great to stay connected to the Tesla community before I officially own a Model X. So I want to thank you for keeping me in the loop on things. I'm calling because I work in Metro Detroit, and I am peripherally involved with the automotive industry, and I have friends and, and people I know that are automotive executives, and clearly Tesla is on the radar for the big three. And I have offhandedly heard comments that one of, one of these people thought that an Apple Tesla uh, merger or takeover over in the future is certainly a possibility. And I recently read an article in the Washington post, why such a uh, junction of two great companies would be successful. And I was just wondering if, if that, since you're out in Silicon Valley area and you're aware of kind of things that are developing, if you've ever heard anything about Apple and Tesla coming together, and if that happened, how would it occur? And I'm, I'm sure that you would agree with me. It would be an exciting thing for, for uh, not only the automotive industry, but for technology in general. And so if you have any comments on that, I would love to hear them. Once again, I really appreciate you doing what you do. It's been fun to listen to it. Uh, I drive a lot in the car, so it keeps me busy and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. All right. Uh, great call here, Mark. And so, yeah, I, 
first of all, so I looked this up. I actually, weirdly, I was mistaken on this. I thought Elon owned more of Tesla, but Elon owns 21% of the shares. He owns 21% of, of all Tesla stock. But even still, even though he doesn't have a majority of those shares, of the company's shares, I'd have to imagine that nothing's going to happen unless he wants it to. And, I mean, I haven't heard anything about it. I've certainly heard and read the same things that you have. And I'm going to let you in. I'm going to be honest on this. I work in the digital media field, the, you know, web. I I don't call what we do journalism because it's enthusiast media. Um, but working in the field, in the media field, I'm pretty sure, honestly, uh, my, my best estimate, I'll say that is that most of these financial writers just conjure up the Apple Tesla thing in order to get, to get Tesla and Apple in the same headline because they know it's going to get clicks. They know it's going to get clicked on and you know. Yeah, that's all about them clicks. Because <laughs> the thing is, there's no basis for the rumors. If you look at any of those articles, you know, I, I know the one you're referencing, I believe it's the Washington Post. It, it, was, it was a piece on, it was an op-ed basically saying that Tesla, or that Apple should buy Tesla, which of course, Tesla's not even necessarily for sale, but that Apple should buy Tesla and make Elon the CEO of Apple Tesla, uh, you know, or of Apple that has absorbed Tesla. But, uh, I mean, I'll tell you, I'm not saying it would never happen. If, because here's the thing, remember, they Elon and and the management team and everybody at Tesla continues to hammer home. They will say it. They say it a million times. The goal of the company is to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable transport. So I think if Elon really thought that selling to Apple would ex- would accelerate the world's transition to sustainable transport, I think he'd do it. I think he would do it. I think it would happen. But I don't see him selling the company until until Tesla is so like set up and and basically just running itself that it that it's really established uh, electric cars in the marketplace, in the mass marketplace. And so I'm talking Model 4. You know, we talked about Model 4 last week, about how Elon, you know, they're working on the, the, the next platform after 3 will be the car that everyone can afford, which I, again, suspected would be a fifteen dollars to $20,000, like a compact car, a, you know, Toyota Corolla size kind of thing. So I, I think maybe then... If you know when the the just the, the the gigafactory is humming, the drivetrain technology is all there. The cars are self-driving and safe as can be, and uh, then maybe Elon would say, "Okay, I've I've got this. I've got this done. Like it's there's nothing that can destroy it. The only thing left to do is to take it to the next level. And if he felt like Apple could help it get to the next level, then maybe he would. But I don't see it happening." at all, anytime soon. Great call though, Mark. Next up is Cynthia from Indianapolis replying to our caller from last week, uh, Gabe, about leasing versus buying. She has uh, she has some experience and hopefully some wisdom to share, or at least, let's say, her experience that she uh, wants to offer up to Gabe and anyone else in his position that is considering the sort of buy versus lease uh, scenario. So Cynthia, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. This is Cynthia calling from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm calling in response to Gabe's question from last week. He was debating leasing versus buying his Model S. Um, I also just pulled the trigger and ordered my Model S, so I'm in the same position as Gabe awaiting delivery of my car at the end of this month. So I just went through all these options as well. And um, I also thought about leasing just because of the new technology, and we don't know what will be in the future with that, although I am not one to lease cars. I don't like leasing cars for the simple reasons that, A, I don't like mileage limits, and, B, I tend to keep my cars for 10 to 15 years or run them into the ground, which is actually my plan with my Model S. So I just wanted to tell Gabe about another option. What I decided to do was I decided to finance the car through Tesla. 
And while it's not available in every state, if you can and do use um, Tesla's lending program, it comes with a guaranteed buyback um, situation. So that's to say that after three years, if I decide I don't want the Model S anymore and I have least, I have um, financed it through the Tesla financing program, um, after three years, Tesla will agree to buy back my car at 50% of the base value plus 30% on all the options I took. So that's the option I'm going with. Again, it's not available in every state, but to me it was a no-brainer because I was able to get a really low rate on my um, my Tesla lending loan application anyways. So after three years, I then have the decision to get rid of the car if I want to and something better has come down the road or for whatever reason. So Ryan, love the podcast. Keep up the good work. And I will go back and binge on all the episodes when I have a chance. This is great for me to pass the time while I wait the delivery of my new Model S. Thank you. Thank you for that call, Cynthia. And in fact, I totally forgot about the, the three-year guarantee thing and the buyback program. Thank you for bringing that back to my memory. That, that, was a, that was a big deal. That was a stake that Elon put in the ground in the early Model S days when everybody was like, okay, uh, this is a great car, but uh, what's it going to be worth in a few years? And, and Elon said, well, it's going to be worth at least as much as a, as a Mercedes S-Class is. So uh, thank you, Cynthia. Great call there. And by the way, not only congrats on your imminent Model S, but congrats on the fact that you are, gonna, you are almost certainly getting one of the 75 kilowatt hour cars that, you know, again, it'll be 70 usable when you get it. But should you decide either like maybe when you take delivery, you'll be like, oh, cool. No, I totally want to pay the 3250 and have a bit more battery, or maybe, you know, maybe in six months after you've been using the car, or like I said, a year, you'll just be like, I'm going to unlock the rest of that battery now. So congrats, Cynthia. You got, it sounds like you've got one of these bonus cars, uh, not to mention the new, uh, the new nose. So uh, congrats on that imminent Model S. That is fantastic. Let's go now to Ian in Virginia, who is curious if, uh, if he's, you know, if it's if it's okay to go for Model Three, if he's got a sacrifice in other areas to afford it, so let's talk to Ian. Hi, Ryan. Uh, this is Ian from Leesburg, Virginia. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Red Lightning podcast and a huge fan, really, of everything you do. So first, I just want to say um, you do a great job, and I look forward to listening to you every week. Um, my question: uh, um, Do you think? Wanting a Model 3, when you're right on that cusp of maybe I can't afford this, maybe I can't afford this, and also do you think kind of self-motivating yourself to be able to get that car um, is a good thing? Do you think it could drive someone to success um, in their respective career fields and and kind of motivate them to um, become even more successful from a financial standpoint because we all want something like a model three or, you know, maybe even later on in life, a model X or a model S. Um, anyway, hopefully I hear this on the podcast, but if not, uh, rest assured, I will still be listening. I really appreciate everything you do. Um, I'm a huge fan of ride the lightning and also a huge fan of podcast unlocked and all of your work really over at IGN. So thank you for all the hard work you put into your job. Um, it makes me want to work down much harder every day, too, and I really look forward to listening to you each and every week. Um, thanks again, Ryan. Keep up the great work. So, Ian, I would... I, first of all, I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice, and I love that. I absolutely love that. It reminds me of me, not only now, but especially, like, back in my DeLorean days when it's just like... I, I can... I can it's palpable in your voice, and I love that. So I would never pretend to be someone who's qualified to give financial or life advice along those kind of lines. I don't know you. I don't know your financial financial situation. But I can tell you really want the car. 
And you've clearly already thought a lot about it and you, you know about what you'd have to sacrifice in order to have a Model 3 in your life. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's up to you. Remember too, though, there's a couple, you know, make sure you've thought through everything, which includes the fact that you have to factor in insurance on a Model 3, which is probably going to be more than whatever you're driving now, simply by virtue of the fact that new cars have higher insurance rates. Hopefully the fact that the Model 3 is uh, going to be five-star in every category, if Elon comes through on his word there, that hopefully that'll help lower the, the safety factor, will help lower the insurance premiums. But um, So keep in mind the insurance situation, but that may be offset by the lower operating costs. You're not paying for gas, which... In a year and a half, what if gas is back up to four or five bucks a gallon? You know, who knows? And even if it's not, it's the, the, the Tesla's still going to be much cheaper to operate. And, you know, no oil changes, all that stuff. So lower, lower operating, lower maintenance costs, but possibly higher insurance costs. Uh, I'll tell you, though, because, again, I, I just I can sense it in your voice. I, you know, I've told the story. I don't, I don't want to beat it to death again, but you know, I bought my dream car, which was the DeLorean, when I was 18, almost 19, but still, I was 18. I had help. I, my parents co-signed the loan. I did not do, you know, I had money saved up, but they they coast they very generously co-signed a loan, which I wouldn't have been able to get myself at that age. And you know, I paid it back over a long. It took me a long time to pay off my DeLorean, but. Um, you know, I did that when I was 18. And I'll tell you this, for me, my experience, I don't regret that DeLorean purchase at that age for a minute. I don't regret it for a minute, even though most of my free income, much to the horror of my current, my, my wife today, <laughs> in current day, uh, most of my free income went into that car. But, and, you know, if my wife had been around back then, she probably wouldn't have stuck around because either she wouldn't have stuck around or I would have had to get rid of that car just for the good of the relationship because, you know, uh, that was money that could have been invested, all this stuff. But, but again, you know, uh, I, yeah, I could have invested all the and saved all the money I put into my DeLorean over the years. And, and my wife's not wrong about that. You know, when you got to, you got to think about that, just factor that in. But, but you know what? That car made me so happy every day. I loved every time every time I drove it, every time I took it out for for a cruise or people came up to me at gas stations and said hello or parking lots and that'll happen to you in your Model 3 by the way. I'm pretty sure I mean that happens to S and X owners now and Roadster owners. I think I mean it may one day not happen with Model 3, but I think for all of us early adopters, everybody, all of us that are on the list now, you're going to get approached. You're going to get approached by curious people who want to see your Model 3, it's, and it's cool. I can tell you from experience, I don't have an S or an X, but I absolutely know exactly what those people, what those you folks have gone through and, and do go through. You, know, you guys call it Tesla time, where you have to build in that time to talk to people. Uh, who come up to you and ask you about your cars? The DeLorean was exactly the same way in that regard. I uh, and I and I always loved it. I always enjoyed talking to people about the car, just as I would if I were lucky enough to have an S or an X or a Roadster now. And you know, I loved driving it. I loved owning it. I loved washing it. I loved meeting people through DeLorean clubs and DeLorean car shows. So maybe your Model Three would do all of those things for you as well. Or maybe it'd just be a cool car for you and, and it wouldn't be worth whatever these other cuts you'd have to make in your life. You know, it's, it's certainly up to you. But my, I guess my advice would be just make sure that you're honest with yourself about the pros and cons either way. The pros and cons of buying it and the pros and cons of not buying it. And then as long as you're honest with yourself, I'm sure that you will make the best decision for you. Final call this week comes to us from a gentleman who's called in before. He goes by the handle Tesla8. He's got his eye on a used Model S, but he can't find one. Let's see if we can help him out. Tesla8, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is Tesla8. Um, I have uh, two questions. The first question is, um, 
I already have an electric vehicle, but I'm waiting to buy a Tesla. I was hoping to buy a used Model S, um, and the prices were dropping um, last year and the beginning of this year. But on February 17th, they uh, took away all the CPO Teslas and only been using uh, inventory Teslas that are demo cars from the showrooms. Um, given that uh, we have no idea when uh, the CPOs are coming back, um, I did not place a Model 3 reservation um, because I wanted a, a used Model S and that was my main goal. Um, should I jump in line today to get a Model 3? Um, and I can probably get it sometime 2018 since they're ramping up to um, a half million cars in 2018 starting production and volume in 2017, which means you'll get your car uh, hopefully September time frame, which would be awesome for next year. Um, my second question would be, what do you think the prices of used Model S's will be from today going forward through uh, the Model 3 launch? Thank you. You have a great show and have a good day. So here's my, here's my advice here. If you want that used S, go get it. Go find one. And by that I mean... Work the phones. Call a bunch of Tesla stores. Call the ones near you. Call If they don't have anything, call the ones further away. Work your way out in like concentric, like, like a radius. Just expand your range as you need to. Are you willing to fly out to buy one if a store a couple states away has one that fits your criteria and then just drive it home with the supercharger network? I would say don't let the lack of a website stop you on this. Uh, the we'll you know we'll see what ends up happening with the CPO situation, but if you're ready to move, that, yeah, just just go hunt it down, go get it. And I will say though, it couldn't hurt to jump into the Model Three Q right now. It's you know I it's I don't want to say I, I'm I'm hesitant to say it's only a thousand dollar deposit because a thousand dollars is a lot of money. It certainly is for me, but it's a lot less than the $2,500 Model S deposit and a lot less than the $5,000 Model X deposit. And that $1,000 is fully refundable. Now, I didn't play a clip of this uh, earlier in the show, but Elon, another, another thing Elon said on the conference call is that if you want a Model 3 in 2018, you should get your deposit in ASAP. Uh, now, as for the prices of used S's from now until the Model 3 launch, I would suspect I don't I don't know uh, that's uh, but my my best guess just from my sort of observations of the Tesla world is that I'll bet the older cars I'm talking the what are kind of referred to on the Tesla Motors Club forums as the classic S's meaning the ones the pre-autopilot cars I'll bet those classic S's are going to get a good bit cheaper as newer pre-owned cars that do have autopilot hardware start to become available as you as uh, used cars so best of luck to you whichever way you want to go and uh i trust you will you will find the car you want whether it's whether you have to go hunting for that cpo model s that used inventory s or whether you end up hopping on the model 3 list and waiting waiting for that so thanks again everybody for all the wonderful calls this week. Again, uh, please, no, no offense intended if I did not play your call. Uh, just couldn't get to everything. Uh, but again, working on a solution for that. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. See if I can get that nailed together here sooner rather than later. I will be right back to wrap things up here right after this. All right, that'll do it for another episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast. By the way, I just added the show, so that, uh, apparently the Google Play podcasts uh, section of the, the music store just launched. So the show is up there now. If you're an Android user, check that out. Show should, because I, I submitted the show and it got approved by Google. So uh, it shows now on the Google Play podcasts store or app, either way. You can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan or email me, 
teslapodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to Dave T's weekly Tesla newsletter. It is a very handy, uh, very quick to digest thing uh, each and every week, each and every Friday, in fact. Teslaweekly.com is the site there. Again, thanks as always to the Tesla Roddy community, Gene and the crew there. They continue to help get the word out, making posts about the new episodes of this show as they go up every week. It's been extremely helpful, extremely beneficial. And uh, it's helped bring a lot of people to the show. I really, really appreciate that every week, Gene and the rest of the Tesla Roddy crew. If you're in your Tesla, you can listen to the show via the TuneIn application. You got to go on the website first, though. Go on the TuneIn website, search for Tesla Podcast or, or Ride the Lightning Tesla Motors Podcast, and you will find it. Just follow it, and then it should show up in your favorites in the car. Now, normally, I uh, my little sign-off has been happy EV motoring, happy electric motoring, but I thought I would leave you with a little something else this week, and it comes from Elon Musk himself, from this week's co- conference call with analysts. For uh, he, Elon was asked, what can you do about the naysayers for Tesla? And I, uh, and I really liked Elon's response, so I'm going to close, I'm going to let Elon Musk take us out. Mr. Musk, the floor is yours, and I'll see you all next week. Um, as, as for convincing all the naysayers, I think that that will basically be never. There's always going to be naysayers. And, um, you know, I just say, like, for, for what I find ironic about a lot of the naysayers is that they, the very same people will transition from saying um, it was impossible to saying it was obvious. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Was it obvious or impossible? It can't be both. <laughs> right.